If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on bluemoonpodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show. Well, what about that? You've got a week with no football and then suddenly there's City games galore. After Vincent Company's testimonial this week, the Premier League and the Champions League return. And on today's Blue Moon podcast, we'll be looking ahead to both of those ties. But it's two rather nasty away trips for fans as Pep Guardiola takes his team to Norwich and Shakhtar. One's in a really inaccessible city, miles away from Manchester, and where English isn't the main language. And the other one is Shakhtar. Also on today's show, we'll be taking a closer look at the Champions League and whether City fans are buying into the competition or if it's never going to click for them. We'll also be hearing from Howard Hawking and taking your questions in Ask the Panel. So get them sent in for next week at Blue Moon Podcast on Twitter or you can find us on Instagram. Just search for Blue Moon Podcast on there. I'm your host, David Mooney, and with me in the studio is City fan Chris Higginbottom. I hope you're all right. I'm not too bad. Thanks. You well? Uh, very well, thank you. I, t- I threw you by surprise there by speaking to you before introducing the second guest. You didn't did, I? yes. You see? Because our second guest is uh, making a debut from the Manchester Evening News, Charlotte Dunker. Hello, How thanks are you for doing? having me. Good to have you on for uh, the first time. So yes, it's uh, the Premier League's back. How are you uh, How are you looking forward to it? So happy. Just, <laughs> I, I personally hate international breaks. Mm, yeah, They're I do. It's just so dull. I'm not, not on board with England or whichever, whichever country you want to follow, but... Club football is just getting exciting, and then it's like, oh, two weeks off, everyone. Here's a break for it that might injure one of your players. Yeah, yeah. I have to. I have to really stop myself as well on the international breaks going in on England because I like most of our listeners are not from England, so like, it, it suddenly like what matters to me as a as somebody who follows the England national team doesn't matter to most of the people that listen to this. So uh, so yeah, there we go. Um, it's the start of of two games a week for City. This this is the point now where the squad is needed more than ever. We're talking about the injuries side of things. Yeah, um, we were just talking before about how strong City squad is and luckily they've got so much strength in depth that they're going to be able to get through these next few weeks absolutely no problem. Personally, I think Guardiola should pick City's strongest team this weekend. They've had, Not all of them have been playing on internationals. They're not going to be that tired. They're still cl- trying to click into a rhythm. I think if you look back at those opening four games of the season... They were exceptional against Tottenham, but I feel the other performances, they've not yet to reach that level where everyone stood back and gone, wow, this, this, City, is, it. this is it. They're amazing, which is what we all know. We know they're amazing and they can produce those amazing performances. But until they start clicking through those gears, which they haven't yet done, he needs to keep sticking really with his strongest 11. Obviously, you're going to have to swap players in and out and they've got strength and depth to be able to do that. But maybe do that in the second half if they've scored three in the first, like that sort of thing. I think he needs to keep starting his strongest 11. It's interesting though, because we were talking last week about how the international break is the start of of when City really get going. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, and Guardiola said he had his issues with the pre-season tour, didn't he? He made it quite clear that it 
they were. <laughs> well, he wasn't happy at he all. He was, was not he? happy, no. And he they, he was saying they're not fit. And that's the charity shield. He's like, this is the start of our preseason, and they've got through these games and very unfortunate and shouldn't have dropped points against against Spurs. And they've come through all the games. They've got the points they needed, relatively unscathed, apart from Laporte and obviously Sane, but. They've cut, they've got what they wanted, and if they could, they can now build on that and try and progress in all the competitions. Well, I'm delighted to say that we're now joined by Chris Reeve from the Talk Norwich City podcast uh, to help us uh, dig through this weekend's game. Uh, Chris, how's uh, from a Norwich point of view? How's the first month back in the Premier League been for you? You know what? It's been an absolute joy. It's it's been so so exciting, and I think for for all Norwich City fans, not just myself, we're just so super grateful to be here. Um, you know, we're, we're probably a good two seasons ahead of schedule. Um, so we're in the Premier League. We're, we're proving some people wrong. We've had some really positive performances so far. Only one win on the board so far. Um, however, we've had some really tough games. So, yeah, it's, it's been a positive start. Um, and apart from this weekend against you lot, uh, we're, we're really looking forward to getting some more points on the board. I was going to say the the results seem to have been a little bit mixed, but in terms of performances, what have they been like? Because I mean, you, you've played Liverpool, you've played Chelsea, and then you know you, you, West Ham are mm. they're, they're a they're a decent team. They're not they're no they're no pushovers. Um, I'll happily admit to you that, that the West Ham was 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 awful for us. Um, we just weren't in the game at all. I think uh, we definitely had an off day. But you know, as you say, I think West Ham can be a decent side. They were quite aggressive against us. Um, and I think that really, even in the championship, that was Norwich City's weakness, I'd say, is that teams that are aggressive um, against Norwich City tend to do better. However, ball-playing football teams like Manchester City, for example, Chelsea, Liverpool, you know, we can play some really positive stuff and, and we will cause damage um, against those teams. Um, you know, you saw it in the second half against Liverpool, um, we had a bit of bad luck in the first half. Second half, we start to play our stuff, and and any football fan that, that that's um, that's knowledgeable would understand that actually we played really well, um, despite losing four one. And that and when Chelsea came to town to, to Carrow Road, we really really did put them to the sword, put them under a hell of a lot of pressure, and, and arguably should have got a point out of that game. Um, so yeah, I'd say overall the performances have been. Um, I'd say probably maybe a seven or eight out of ten, excluding West Ham, which I'd probably say was a four or five. We weren't really ever in that game. Timu Puki is is taken to the Premier League like a duck to water. Um, He really, really has surprised a lot of people, possibly even Norwich City fans. Uh, A lot of people have have wrote him off as a free transfer. And and the man just keeps delivering. Um, In in Finnish, his name translates to GOAT. Um, So all of the Norwich fans are calling him the GOAT. Well, that's uh, that's a nickname that'll go down well with City fans. Back, harking back to uh, the late nineties and early noughties with our uh, our own goat in Sean Gota. Um, Chris, <laughs> you you hear that from from a Norwich fan saying that that they like playing, getting the ball down and playing football. Guardiola said recently, you know, he likes it when teams do that against City. And you on last week's show actually said, I bet he does. Uh, he must be looking forward <laughs> to this weekend. Then in that case, yeah. It, do, it does say that, but it's very easy to say that and be all magnanimous about another team's playing style when you've just given them a bit of a panning, as uh, he tends to be able to to say it in that situation. I, I don't know, we've possibly a bit of a, a threat to us. We've not got a regular, uh, our first choice centre centre back pairing. I'm a bit concerned about the ref, to be honest. 
And I wasn't expecting you to go there, to be honest with you. I'm not, that's, that doesn't seem like a concern that you would have. I don't. Well, I don't know. He just made a couple of... He was the one who accused um, Grealish of diving mm. in, in the area, didn't he when, he, when he was blatantly trying to play the ball, did play the ball, and he booked him for diving, uh, ruled out a goal for uh, Villa. It's, is it friend? Kevin friend? Yeah, but I didn't want to go into the VAR chat on this week's show. We've had, we've had so many weeks with it. I've, I've done it again, without haven't I? It. Yeah, I've yeah. Look, look where, is, where is the VAR? Oh, God, sorry. But yeah, I think Norwich, they, 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 they're going to come out and play, aren't they? They're at home. They've got nothing to lose. Well, they've got three points to lose, but I don't think they're going to change the way they play. And uh, it looks to be a really nice uh, prospect, good open game. Yeah, I mean, Chris, you mentioned Timu Puki there. Uh, what what does he do so well? Why is he why has he been so good in the opening weeks? I tell you what, before I break into Timu Puki, I tell you right now, you won't need to be worrying about the ref. The squad that you guys have got is just outrageously good, and I think that you'll probably see your D team um, could a beat us and 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 b win the Premier League. I'm a warrior, um, though, Chris. I, I really <laughs> wouldn't be worrying about that. Um, and I think. Um, in, in terms of what, what Pookie can bring, his intelligence off the ball, the runs that he makes, he'll stretch centre-backs away from their natural position, which opens up pockets of space for Emi Buendia, um, who is a real man to watch on, on Saturday. Mm. Um, Argentine, bit of spice, bit of South American flair. Um, he is one that can really turn it on if, if, he's, if, he's, if it's his day. And also um, a very young up-and-coming player that's completely um, shocked um, Premier League fans, let alone Norwich City fans. Um, he's only 4.5 million on Fantasy Premier League if you play it. Todd Cantwell, um, one of our own, born in Norwich, was on the verge of not actually getting a new contract at the club. Um, but this is this is it with Timmy Pookie. He gets plaudits for his goals. Um, but genuinely, it's not a hipster answer by me telling you right now that watch Timmy Pookie's runs and you guys, being Manchester City fans, will appreciate a player that can create space for others and not just someone that can deliver that final product. Um, nothing on Aguero, mind. Um, although Timu Puki has got a, re- a better record in 2018 <laughs> for club and country than Cristiano Ronaldo. So watch out. Yeah, I was, I, 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 we'll get back to that in a minute, I think. Uh, Charlotte, um, we heard about City's defensive problems and uh, the fact that they won't have the, the first-choice pair in uh, there. I mean, in terms of selection, where do you think Guardiola goes with this? Because Fernandinho could do the job in there, but he could just go for Stones and Otamendi because I think Stones should be back. I think Stones should be fit, so I'd imagine that he'd bring him in bring him in alongside Otamendi, but it's Guardiola, you never know what he's going to do. Um, I went on the pre-season tour and all the talk was about, are City going to buy another centre-half? Company's gone. They tried, they didn't get who they wanted. Fair enough. He thinks he's got the talent in the squad to cover, but as soon as you Laporte was um, looked like he was going down injured against Bournemouth, and you suddenly think, if he goes off here, who's coming on? One injury away from a crisis. Yeah, basically, yeah. they were always on the verge of one injury away from a crisis, and then it happened. <laughs> it happened one game later, didn't it? But you're laughing because it sounds funny because a crisis no. is Fernandinho, yeah. st- <laughs> a, a, another inter- world-class international stepping in, but he's Mr. Versatile, but you're talking about a team that wants to compete on four fronts and you're, pe- and you're playing a defensive midfielder at centre-back. So I think he'll be able to do a job and no disrespect to Norwich, he'll probably, be, if he is selected, he'll, Guys, be, able, he'll be able to do a job I- for them. But I think it'll be John Stones. 
I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I'm going to have to come in here. I think you Man City fans, and I'm going to sound aggressive, but I'm sorry to say it, you need a reality check. You are nowhere near, are nowhere near a blooming crisis. I'll tell you what a crisis is, right? I'll tell you what a crisis I was, is. Well, so, I was, have I was you seen our injury list? I was going to come on to this, Chris. I was going to come on to this. Do you know how many players we had out injured for the, in the last two games? Nine players with injuries, right? That's quite We're bad. missing our two main starting centre-backs in Tim Close and Christoph Zimmerman. Ben Godfrey's come in and done exceptionally well. Max Ahrens. Um, whose exceptional talent has pulled up for the England under twenty ones and is a and is a doubt for for Saturday. So, um, you know, I think I think you need to be a bit careful by calling the crisis card. Believe me, your your squad is more than capable. And it, and if those players um, can't come in and fill those holes, they need a long hard look at themselves because they have absolutely got the talent to do the job, regardless of those number one players being out injured for you guys. Well, I was going to say this as well, Chris, because, I mean, obviously you've just gone through the, the injuries that Norwich have had there. Um, I, I, we saw last season, the season before that, that City can be beaten. There are there are ways to beat City, and it usually involves City having an off day and the other team getting together and, and to a man yeah. playing particularly well. Um, what what chance have Norwich have got uh, uh, of doing that? Because it, the, the first part seems to be possibly in place for me there with Norwich's style of play. It seems like you're the team that will mm. come and have a go at City. I love I love your optimism towards that first and foremost. I can tell you right now that the the the, the mood in the Norwich camp is that it's a bonus game. Um, I was speaking to uh, Marco Stiepman this week um, privately, but now not privately, and he's very much said this is a bonus game for Norwich City. You know, we're going to go at it, we're going to play our style, we're going to basically just have a laugh and, and see what we can do. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Manchester City have to have an off day. Um, but, but arguably an off day for Manchester City is still probably a mid-table Premier League side um, of which Norwich City lost 2-0 to, to, to West Ham. So <laughs> um, I, I think I agree with you. I think that the Norwich players will be up for it. However, um, with our actual um, de- defensive crisis in terms of injuries at the moment, um, I, I think that, that yeah, everything about this screams a Man City win. I'm honestly not just saying it um, to, to, to kind of ruin people's expectations and play mind games. Honestly, guys, if you don't get a result at Norwich City this weekend, and you know, and, I'm, and I am being a bit rude towards Norwich, but the reason is literally having that many players out injured has caused a problem. It really has. Um, and I actually wouldn't be surprised if we actually choose to rest some players that are on the edge um, of coming back just to just not risk them purely on the basis of, you know what, Man City are coming to town. Let's just see what we can do with the players that are 100% fit and let's not risk anyone. Why would we risk Max Ahrens if he's not 100% when we've got to play Crystal Palace, Bournemouth, Aston Villa after you guys? These, those are the games for Norwich City that, that are very winnable. They're the sort of games that City love to, to to chuck the towel in, though, and lose. So I'm not going to uh, going to sit here with my my cynical City fan hat on and uh, and say, yeah, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if you put out 11 fit players because you were struggling with injuries, and then suddenly there's a one nil home win uh, somewhere along the line. Ooh, yes, uh, please, Charlotte. Keep telling me that. <laughs> uh, I, I want to ask about about the pressure in this game for City because obviously it's the it's the evening game. The um, it, it's it's mm. there's, there's going to be kind of tension on it in that in that sense. Uh, Liverpool will have played first. We're so early Again. in the season. <laughs> is there is there already at this point where City and Liverpool are looking at each other's results? I don't. I really don't think so. I think, like you say, it's far too early. There's so many more twists and turns. I think 
if we were talking obviously the last couple of months of the season and you're looking at who's playing first and I feel like that was a lot of the discussion we had with Guardiola towards the end of last season again because, and again yeah <laughs> because Liverpool kept playing first again and again and again <laughs> and they said do you feel the pressure knowing that they've gone and won maybe towards the end of the season yes because you know they've done their job and then it's up to you but this early in the season there's so much more to come. Literally anything can happen. They've got, and they've also got to play each other twice. Yeah. Um, Chris, just before we let you go, um, let, let's talk about key men for, for Norwich. If, if Norwich aren't going to get a result out of this game, who's who's going to be the, the players that do it for you? Uh, quite simply, the, the, the spine. Um, Tim Krull um, in between the sticks. Um, you know, despite losing 2-0 to West Ham, that game could have easily been 6 or 7. The guy's on fire at the moment. So we need to make sure that, um, you know, that he's he's keeping up his form. So first and foremost, our goalkeeper, Tim Krull. Second of all, um, our, our young centre-back, who's recently been called up for the England under-21s, Ben Godfrey. He's going to have to have a flyer. I'm hoping and praying you, you, you rest players. But even if you rest players, it's going to be a really, really tough ask for Ben. Um, he's more than capable, though, and I think I think he will surprise people. Um, I then think in the middle of the park, um, we, we're going to have to have a really, really strong performance. Um, if we, I have no idea how, but we've got to somehow stop Kevin De Bruyne playing football, um, which is going to be an issue, obviously. Um, and then you need Timu Puki to, um, and he will. Um, you know, if he gets a sniff at goal, we need him to take his. Possibly one chance against City at the weekend. Um, I, I think for me, in terms of how the how the game flows and pans out, the only time I would be sweating um, as Manchester City is if, and it's a huge if, if Norwich City managed to score in the first half, you can start to sweat. But honestly, guys, if, if you score in the first half, get your popcorn out and, and enjoy the fun. Chris, do you remember the? Um, I don't know if you made the trip down to to Norwich for the the six one at the end of uh, Mancini's title winning season. But that's actually City's last uh, league win. There. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, it's been um, two nil well, nil draws for, for for City in the last two visits. We tend yeah. to yeah, we tend to do. I, I, pers- I personally quite enjoyed the. Um, I think it was the three two win to Norwich at the Etihad. Um, Johnny House and. Um, absolutely um, yeah. just walked through Manchester City's team to, to, to seal the victory on the last day of the season fun fact about that game Jack Rodwell's only goals for City that day I think um, <laughs> would you stuff. believe I love it I love it <laughs> um, but no I mean uh, uh, Higgy the, the, the fact that City's last two league visits were nil-nil there I mean they were two very different City teams I'll grant you it was um, you know, mm. both managed by Pellegrini but it's, it's, it kind of feels like it, it, it could be a tricky place for, for City to go. I, I do fancy Norwich to uh, bag a couple of goals. I, I think we'll win, but I think there's the style of play, as I was saying about the defensive uh, changes that we're going to have. I, I do fancy them to bloody our noses a little bit. Uh, I like the way they play. I think they've got a good attitude and... Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Is it? I mean, for you, when you look at, at City's team... Obviously, it's the point in the season now where where two games a week starts to kick in for City. Is it is it Aguero or Jesus? Is it Fernandinho or, or Rodri in the middle? Where what what kind of what kind of team do you expect? <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris. It, it sounds like we're really stop, nitpicking, please, you know. Stuff <laughs> of nightmares. Um, I don't know. I'd probably give Jesus uh, a run out. Because um, I mean, Aguero played midweek in the company testimonial. Well, and, you know, is, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah succumb, succumb to the rigors of uh, the testimonial. We've always had quite a happy hunting ground at, at Norwich. I, 
I don't want to stick the knife in, Chris, but I have happy <laughs> memories of playing Norwich, generally. Uh, I must have put that one out of my mind where you beat us 3-2. But generally speaking, you know, head-to-head-wise, I think we... We tend to do all right. So. Although I'm suddenly remembering a, a defeat in Keegan's promotion season. I think one shot got sent off right at the end at Carrow Road. That sounds horribly unjust. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I don't think he did anything anyway. So I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think it was, uh, again, probably against the runner play or something like that, probably, wasn't it? Yeah, very much so, yeah. Uh, Chris, just before we let you go, we've, uh, we've got a charity bet coming up along a little bit later on in the show. Um, I, I'm notoriously rubbish at predicting City's scorelines. So whenever we have a guest on, I always give my bet up to, uh, to whoever's on the, uh, on the guest side of things. So uh, what, what score predi- what's your score prediction for the game? I'm going for 4-1 Manchester City, and that is really optimistic, and I'm hoping that it's only a three-goal deficit, and I will certainly take that. Well, we, we come on to the odds a little bit later on, but what I can say is if you're right on that one, it's uh, you'll be our first correct uh, result of the season, and you'll stick 110 quid in for charity, so, uh, so fingers crossed that you're right there. <laughs> Superb. Nice one. Uh, Chris, I, I would say uh, best of luck, but I'll be honest with you, I don't mean it, so um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, thanks for being part of the show yeah. this week. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I really, really appreciate it. And I just want to say um, just a bit big up to the Blue Moon podcast. Um, I think the Manchester City fans are super, super lucky to have you guys. So, um, yeah, keep up the great work. Thank you so much for having us on. And feel free to subscribe to Talk Norris City if you want to enjoy the very rocky ride that is Norris City season. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Now then, for City fans, the Champions League starts again this week and it's a trip over to Ukraine and Shakhtar Donetsk. It's now the ninth season the club has been in the competition and it's probably fair to say that the fans aren't quite as on board with it as they were back in 2011. I've been taking a look at how the feeling towards Europe has changed and where City's priorities lie. Take yourself back to the 5th of May 2010. City had just lost to Spurs and had missed out on the Champions League thanks to a Peter Crouch goal. The mood at the City of Manchester Stadium was flat, deflated. The team had missed out on their main objective for that season. It's funny how things come to change though. Now, as City begin their Champions League campaign for the ninth successive year, the mood couldn't have flipped any more. What was excitement to be in the European competition in 2011 has been replaced by a weary cynicism. City fan and journalist Dan Burke remembers the anticipation of that first game against Napoli. Qualifying for the Champions League for the first time felt like City's arrival on the biggest stage and it was something I think a lot of supporters of my generation thought we'd probably never see, to be honest. Um, I remember going to that first game against Napoli at the Etihad and the the sense of anticipation from everyone was palpable on the night. Um, I, I can recall being particularly excited to hear the Champions League anthem ringing out around the stadium, actually, and we certainly didn't boo it or turn our backs on it that night. All that being said, things have changed. Fast forward eight years, it's fair to say the novelty's definitely worn off, though. City will be the only English team to have played in every year of the Champions League since 2011, but unlike the Premier League, it's a competition which still has a habit of making us look very ordinary. Um, I think the lack of success, combined with City's well-documented tussle with the wafer, has made it hard for City fans to probably warm to the Champions League. 
Um, and it'll be interesting to see if that ever changes, if slash when we ever win it. Perhaps the quality of the competition came as a shock back in 2011. Here's how then-manager Roberto Mancini reacted to the one-all draw with Napoli when he spoke to City TV. It was a tough game because uh, it was the first game for us. I think that uh, for me we played well in the first half. We had the chance to score. They have uh, three or four uh, players that in counter-attack are fantastic. And maybe in the second half, uh, for 10 minutes, we conceded uh, two or three chances uh, that we can concede. Despite the disconnect and a difficult relationship with the competition, though, there are still some fans who say it means a lot to see City in it. Here's Richard Burns. The Champions League is important to me because I grew up watching a City team that could barely have been further away from playing Champions League football. And I remember how desperately I wanted City to be in it. I remember watching United win it and being, I'll be honest, um, being jealous of them. But year after year, City have flattered to deceive. They first made it out of the group stage in 2014, where they drew Barcelona. Then manager Manuel Pellegrini didn't want to set over-ambitious targets. We are just in the round of 16. We can beat uh, Barcelona, maybe in the next round you, you can uh, have a defeat. So I think that this club is trying to develop in all those areas. And one of our, of our achievements, our target, of course, is to try to continue in Champions League. City were eliminated in part due to some poor refereeing decisions in the first leg. The next year, at the same stage, they drew Barcelona again, with there seeming to be a bigger division between the two teams. But for a Joe Hart masterclass in the away leg, it could have been a very heavy defeat. By this time, fans were beginning to get disgruntled. It just isn't the priority. As a fan, I can't speak for boardroom level and, and pep and all that but what I have learned in the time that City have been in the Champions League is that it doesn't become more important than domestic honours and the disappointment of getting knocked out of the Champions League as we invariably do is not a patch on the disappointment of falling short in the league. In the early days, the group stages were difficult, but now, as Dan Burke explains, you have to wait before you get to the glamour ties. It also doesn't help that it's a pretty bloated competition, I don't think. Um, it's nice to be one of the top seeds, but this year it means we have to play six pretty uninteresting and uninspiring group games before the tournament really starts to get interesting. I know a lot of City fans will enjoy away trips to Zagreb and Milan this year, but if you only go to the home games, there isn't an awful lot to get excited about, unfortunately. Richard Burns says a lot of the competition feels over Blown. Maybe it's to City fans' credit that we've not just bought into the, the hype and the marketing around the Champions League. We've had days out against Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid. They're fantastic. But playing it under the floodlights and having the Champions League branding around the stadium and playing the Champions League music before a game doesn't actually mean that playing Dynamo Kiev, Shakhtar Donetsk, CSK Moscow doesn't make those attractive games to... Supporters. Even when the crunch games came around, and even when City did well in them, something never quite clicked for the fans. Their best run in the competition came in 2016, where they lost to Real Madrid in the semi-final. Here's Pellegrini speaking to BT Sport after his team barely laid a glove on the eventual champions. Disappointed because I think that was a very close game with the two teams that they didn't create too many chances. I think that Real Madrid was very lucky with the goal, it was a cross that deflected in our in our play and. 
Could it be that supporters might just never go for the Champions League, even if the club does well in it? Roma away, that was meant to be the one that made City fans fall in love with the competition. Severe away when City were brilliant and got a really good win. Getting to the semi-final was meant to be the one. Beating Barcelona at home was meant to be the one. I think generally we see the Premier League as priority and I don't see why winning the Champions League would change that. I don't think it means that City fans take it lightly or don't care about winning it. I think we do. It's the only major honour that City haven't won in the Sheikh Mansour era. It's a stick that's used to beat the club and to beat Pep Guardiola, especially after disappointing exits to Monaco, Liverpool and Tottenham. Here's the Athletics' Sam Lee. Whenever he's in a press conference, he doesn't even need to have somebody mention his record in the Champions League before he sarcastically mentions how he's a failure or whatever. So he's obviously bothered when people say that you know he needs to win the Champions League again or he needs to do it without Messi or whatever. But it is interesting because towards the end of last season, his, his demeanour was a little bit different. And he, he actually admitted after the Tottenham game, he said, you know, maybe it does need to be better. You know, maybe we have disappointed... Maybe I need to improve, maybe the club needs to improve. Some suggest that the problem could be Guardiola's style of football. It works well in the league, but is high risk in cup competitions. Sam, though, doesn't buy that. It's not like we're in an era now where there's a lot of defensive teams playing defensive football, counter-attack football and winning it. You know, Liverpool have been in the final the last two years. It was Madrid before that, Barca before that. So it's generally attacking styles. They're obviously not exactly the same as Guardiola's. But I don't necessarily think they're any more solid. The alternative would be, yeah, like I say, defending and counter-attacking, but that's not been successful in recent years. And logically, it doesn't make sense, giving the best teams in Europe more time on the ball. So could this be the season where things change for City? Do you, as City fans, care if it's another early exit, as long as the team is successful in the Premier League? What is it that would change the attitude towards the Champions League? Answers on a postcard. Hi, this is David Bernstein, and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show by becoming a backer. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. A look there at City's relationship with the Champions League. Uh, now, we asked this question on Twitter. If uh, if City were to win only one trophy this season, what would you prefer it to be? Uh, it's, a, it's a poll that got nearly 1,500 votes. Um, and I'm, it was dominated by, obviously, the Premier League and the Champions League. Uh, the Premier League scored uh, 60% of the vote, the Champions League 38% of the vote, and the League Cup 2% of the vote. So whoever said if, if City were going to win one trophy this season, Chris, uh, make it the League Cup. I'm just, I'm, I'm in awe at their, at their ambitions for the campaign. I think that's testament to our undying sense of humour, I would hope. <laughs> Maybe it was Guardiola. Maybe it was. Um, but, I mean, looking at those results, it does say something quite interesting about City fans and their relationship with the Champions League. It has changed, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's easy to be, even from the start, to be a little bit negative about it, just from the origins of the Champions League itself, the sort of big cartel aspect of the threatening the breakaway league, um, forming the Champions League going away from the knockout competition of the European Cup does seem like a bit of a, a racket, doesn't it? And uh, I think City's more recent negativity is probably just a fair, honest reaction to something which we wholly perceive as something that isn't particularly fair, fair yeah. or honest. Like there's the um, 
you know, the different sort of punishments that they've doled out for when we were late out onto the pitch, they find us more than they did a team for uh, racist chanting against us. It was only us. 30 seconds late, I think. Yeah, were. and we got fined a lot more than... It might even have been Shakhtar, was it? Who was I it? think I think it was in Portugal. I think it was, was Porto. It? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Was it? But I mean, I, I can't say for sure. No, I no, don't, I mean, don't that was, that was the lateness, I think. But the, the team that were making... Oh, that were fined. Or it might be... Was it Moscow? Possibly. CSK Moscow? Possibly, but... Yeah, and then the game had to be played behind closed doors. That was... Yeah, the old, the oldest merge into one, though, don't well, they? Well, this That's... is it. Yeah, but the game that was supposed to be behind closed doors, there was loads of... Well, not loads, but relatively speaking, they had fans in there. Yeah. We didn't. So who's being punished there? And it's just... You can completely understand uh, the negativity towards it. Yeah. Uh, well, we asked you on Twitter what, uh, in response to that poll, where your priorities lie. Uh, Nova Rap says, not even Alex Ferguson has three Champions League titles. Let's get Pep his third and City their first. Despite being a tournament that includes luck, it's a tournament of the best teams. Neil MCFC says, it's all about the Premier League. Four in a row, please. Hashtag ruining football. Sonny says, the league always 38 games which test your strength and character, not pot luck in the cups, where one mistake can mean going out. Josh says, personal preference would be to do the league three times in a row, but if it's a one-trophy season, it's probably got to be the Champions League, if for no other reason than David Silva. Canterbury Daz says, people shell out their hard-earned cash for season tickets to watch the 19 home games and as many away games as they can. That's the main thing. Anything else is just a bonus. Paul Furlong says, the Champions League to shut down all the crap about not being able to win it. Ayush says, it's got to the point now where we need European success to be recognised in the elite, which we are domestically. Stephen says, always the Premier League is the priority. You need luck to win any cup competition, but the best team always wins their league. And Gaz says, you can only win the Premier League while you're good, so you need to make hay with that. So you've always got the chance with the Champions League, despite what kind of season you're having. So, I mean, Charlotte, when you hear those sorts of mixed reactions to the two competitions, how, how do you react at, at kind of how the fans are with this, what is effectively the elite competition? Do you know what I mean? I feel like you can see both sides of the argument because the right saying in the league, it's week in, week out for so many months of the year and you've got to be on your A-game at all times. Whereas we saw last season with VAR how unlucky City were not to get through and it was Spurs obviously that got through in that ridiculous like the one of the I think it was one of the craziest games I've ever been at always Spurs it's always Spurs (laughs) but like they were saying it is luck and it's a token amount of games and you need to be on your game and if you get get the right draws if you get the right luck on your side injuries be able to rotate your squad properly then yeah great but I can see why they're saying they want to win the Premier League. But I also agree that for City to be seen as an elite, elite side across the whole of the world, they need to conquer Europe as well as they've they've shown they can win the Premier League. They've done it more than once. They can win the FA Cup. They can win the League Cup. This is the only thing that they haven't won. And I think to show they are elite, to go and do that, they need to win it. Chris, I mean, why do you think the fans just don't connect to the the Champions League anymore? I mean, because certainly I remember going to that Napoli game in in 2011, being really up for it, and it just the competition is just, it just feels like it's fizzled out for me. Yeah, I think the group stages is the the one that it's really hard to get behind. Uh, once those are kind of out of the way, it becomes a bit more of a real cup competition, doesn't it? With jeopardy on the games. I find it hard to to get excited about the group games when we're playing Shakhtar away again. Again, do you know <laughs> what I mean? Exactly. It's like it's like uh, I don't know. It's just it's 
it's like a punishing kind of fixture, isn't it, to have to experience. It sounds really, I mean, our friend from Norwich earlier, was, he'd probably castigate us yeah. for saying, He'd be oh, dying to go to Shakhtar. Yeah, exactly, yeah. We used to dream of, yeah, that sort of thing. But I can completely understand that point of view as well. But I don't know. Once it gets to the sharp end, I'm quite interested at this point. Uh, my prevailing cynicism tends to win out. It, um, it usually does, though, Chris. Let's be is, honest. This is true. This is true. And I'm definitely in the um, foot in both camps as well with the uh, regards to what do I want, Premier League or Champions League. Surely both. Yeah, yeah. That's... But if you can only have one, where does it go? Gun to me, Ed. Well, I mean, that's not that serious. Let's... <laughs> Put the gun down then. David, David. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say probably Premiership uh, yeah. is the... But I can understand the the elite sort of aspect of it. And it's like, we, if we want to be taken seriously. What really annoys me is that we can play teams like Villa and they can chastise us from across the stands saying, you've not won the European Cup. And we're like, yeah, you're right, we haven't. And you have, and you're rubbish. But, you know that 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 does that so that's, stick the, in that's the sole reason to win it, isn't it? Just so that the what times about... you play Villa, exactly, yeah, yeah. they can't it's sing, it. they can't chant that at you anymore. It's the main the main thrust of the, the <laughs> argument. Yeah, I like I like that that Chris's argument for what he wants is just his own personal grudge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just work. Just He's getting annoyed in in the away end at grass. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte, did you cover uh, did you cover company's testimonial this week? I didn't actually. You didn't, know. so uh, so you you wouldn't have been in the ground. So it's pointless <laughs> me asking you this question. But I mean, in terms of of the game, I, I kind of sense there was a different atmosphere towards that than there would have been if it was a European game. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, because it wasn't a European game. Well, yeah, but I and mean, it's, and it's Vincent Company. Come on, like, but that's what I mean. And it it's, was... But it's feel good, isn't it? Mm. It's. But that's what's missing from the Champions League. That feel good. But Does that was it... a charity testimonial game. Well, yeah, okay. And I don't, I don't, I feel like they're both in very different camps, and that there would have been a lot of people that went to the testimonial that wouldn't that wouldn't want to go to the Champions League group stages. That's what I'm trying to get my put my finger on. Why? Yeah, May, I'd, maybe it's the cold, dark October nights watching City playing Shakhtar when they Again. beat them four yeah. nil in the first leg, and it's not pointless. But it is, it's just a tick box exercise. Like Chris says, when you get to the knockout stages and there's more riding on it, it's it's more exciting. But do you want to spend your hard-earned cash on top of your season ticket money to go and watch a team that aren't really going to test City? It's not going to be the most exciting game. It's cold, it's wet, it's miserable. Watch it on TV, a lot of people probably. Mm. Chris, do you feel this is a relationship between City and uh, and UEFA and the Champions League that can be mended? You mean between the the fans? The fans, yeah, not the, not the club. I know yeah, the, yeah. The, the club wants to win the, the Champions League. It's as simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. You know, I don't. I can't see. I can't see it suddenly changing. Where, oh, now I'm desperate to go and watch Shakhtar on a, you know, a filthy, freezing evening. Why would? Why would I? Why would I? I mean, sounds really spoilt, doesn't it? I, I'm trying to make pains to to not sound like that that spoiled like. Uh, but the I, more you do, the more you sound. Yeah, like yeah. It. I don't want to go against uh, Shakhtar. Thank you. I'm going to wait till it's you know whoever in the semis. But it is hard to get motivated for that, and it does. We discussed it um, last time, I didn't we? A lot of it does come down to money. Um, you know, it's it just doesn't have that magnetism that uh, the more glamorous games do, and to see your point about company's game that did have an element of glamour because you've got 
people that you've not, you know, players you've not seen for ages, and uh, it's like a stroll down memory lane, and you can reminisce, and you know, you genuinely some of those players you genuinely miss, and it's great to go and see them. I can't say that about the Shakhtar players that I've seen, however many times. Well, you, you, I've not, I've not seen them for two years, so I'd like yeah, to see yeah, them again, yeah. sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Charlotte. Just finally on this topic before we actually preview the Shakhtar game, um, this is a big if. It's it's still a massive if. But if City were to be banned for the, from the Champions League, would a year or two out actually create that sense of missing the Champions League? That that for might the for the fans that might encourage them to get back behind it when they're back in it. No, I think it'd go totally the opposite way. I think they'd look at it and be like, "Oh, not that you not that they don't need it, but they'd get used to not having it again." And if they actually if they go and kick them out of the Champions League, that's probably it. Th- yeah, that'll be it. The fans, the fans' backs will get up even more than they are now. Oh, they'd rail against them, the, and they would. And this app, the, no, it'd be the worst, the worst possible thing that could happen. Now we've uh, we've mentioned it already. Third time City have travelled to Shakhtar in the last three seasons. This week, um, it's the earliest tie in the group, um, so it's probably the best conditions you're going to get in Ukraine for for this game. Yeah, I think the first time when they played them away wasn't the. The group stage was tied up already. I think, yeah, because yeah, I, I, so I remember it it's actually Phil Foden's debut. Yeah, a, a dead rubber. Well, that's why he got on then. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, if, if Pep's not going to give him a chance in the uh, in, in the company testimonial, when is he going to give him a chance? That's what I want to know. <laughs> and then uh, last season, absolute walk in the park for City. And again, I can see nothing but the same. It's Pep's going to want to get them off to a winning start. It's, he's going to take a strong side out there. The more points you can get on the board earlier on, that means he can rest players later on in the in the group stage. Win the group as early as possible is going to be what is, what's on his mind. So, yeah, go there early on and get it out of the way. Get the job done. Chris, we, we've talked about, you know, missing those Shakhtar players. Is there anything we've learnt from the previous games against Shakhtar? I don't know that there are, really. Just get the job done. Be ruthless. Please don't get injured. <laughs> it's going to be, isn't it, when you're literally on the cusp of having... A don't blank. say that word. I know, I won't say crisis because I don't want to over-dramatise <laughs> it. But uh, on the cusp of a, a defensive nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, we talked before about, about potentially rotating the team. Charlotte, you were talking about you know against Norwich, get the strongest team out there. Um, is, it, is the Champions League the sort of place where we saw last season Jesus was getting more of a run out in the group stages than Aguero was? And it's the sort of game now where, where Guardiola might look at it and, and start to use the full depth of his squad because the games are starting to come thick and fast. We're definitely at the stage of the season where he can start utilising the depth of his squad. But I think it's not going to be till the League Cup games come in that maybe we'll see not wholesale changes. I think Champions League, he'll tweak the team. Since they don't really do wholesale changes, do they, anymore? That's the thing. No, and because they want to win everything, which is absolutely fine. And But they could do. Their, their strength and depth in squad is that good that you could play a second team. That's been really disrespectful to the people who sit on the bench who are full internationals. But he could field a second team in the League Cup, win comfortably, and then bring a new fresh team back in at the weekend for the Premier League if that's what he wanted to do. So I think Champions League... You'll see a few tweaks here and there. Maybe Fernandinho will come in for Rodri, like you say, Jesus for Aguero, that sort of thing. But De Bruyne, you just David Silva or Bernardo, they're the sort of players that you're gonna expect to see in the team all the time. So um, people like Foden, you'd you'd want to be in. Well, I was gonna pin, yeah, I, I was gonna pin you down on Foden, Foden because we had a joke yeah. about him before. Well, no, we did, and I I think he came late on tour, but 
having no pre-season, obviously he'd been away with England. He'd had, I think, a week a week and a bit off. He came straight in and he looked really sharp and really fresh. And we were watching him and he was training by himself. And he is impressive. And he's been impressive for England. And he, re- he really does need, need to be given a shot. And so the Champions League group stage, the League Cup, if Guardiola's not going to give him a chance in the Premier League, I'm not saying that's definitely not going to happen. But from what we've seen, he's not been given his chance yet. Then that's the place he can impress and that's the way he's going to push in into the league games. And if not there, when sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, talking, we're touching on Foden there. There's, a, I don't know, not a spat, but there was a bit of a conflict of opinion, wasn't there, between Foden and Guardiola that's I thought, I thought that was quite interesting to see yeah. because yeah. it's not the normal thing for that not to Not towing the party line, yeah. really, was he? When he said, um, that's not the time, well, because Guardiola said, he should be banging my door down yeah. saying, play me, play me, pick me. And Foden said, well, that's not the type of guy I am, which is, on the one hand, it's like incredibly bold and kind of mature and to be respected that he's his own man enough to say that, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to change, you know, who I am. But on the other hand, is that a bit, you know, if Prem says do that, you do that, do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Guardiola also was then asked in that press conference when he said that, he said... Have you ever changed your mind when a player's come up to you and said, "Oh, I think I should be in the team?" And basically, he was like, "No, I haven't." <laughs> so he's, I, he's saying he needs to be coming and saying, "I want to play, I want to play, I want to play." Mm. But that's obvious, isn't it? Obviously, he wants to play in the Premier League. He wants to play in every single game. I, I can't think of any professional footballer who wouldn't want to put themselves in the frame for playing every single mm. game. And if he's going to go up to him and say, "I want to play this week," and Guardiola's going to turn around and saying, "Well, there's a place for you on the bench," mm. then you can see why he wouldn't want to. Do. He is still really young as well. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't work out too well for Ibrahimovic at Barca, that approach, did it? <laughs> I, I suspect, and I mean, call me you know, radical with this opinion, but I suspect Phil Foden and, and uh, Ibrahimovic have got slightly different personalities. I think you might be onto something there. To be <laughs> um, I mean, last point on Foden. Guardiola keeps saying that he's ready to play. Um, you must agree, surely. He, yeah, lo- he looks ready. And... Going back to your previous question, Ashley, when you were saying, have we learned anything um, from previous visits to Shakhtar? The fact that Foden has played in that scenario before, I think, again, makes it all the more of an ideal situation to uh, stick him in. I think he is definitely good enough to play. I don't think that's the dilemma. I think the dilemma he's got is you look at who's ahead of him and they're so, so good. They're all really good, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, and that's, that is the reason why he's why he's not getting in the starting eleven in the Premier League. Not because he's not good not good enough to start in the league mm. he could get into so many other teams in the league but you look at the other midfielders that City have and is he better than them probably not no so that's why he's in the situation he is yeah so it's a kind of a horrid catch 22 isn't yeah. it right well it's charity bet time episode seven and still no wins although one was an international break so we'll uh, we'll let you off for that one uh, we do have two chances for the first time this season now though william hill is giving each of the panel a 10 pound correct score single so let's have some predictions for norwich and shaktar chris what are you having for uh, for norwich for norwich i've gone Five two, well two five, two five. Yeah, uh, gone, so five uh, two away win. There. Goals galore. It would be our biggest ever win if you're right at thirty five to one and three hundred and fifty quid. Uh, Charlotte, what are you having for for Norwich? City win three one. Three uh, one is uh, seventeen to two, so eighty five pounds if you're right. As we heard before, our Norwich guest Chris uh, has gone for four one to City, which is eleven to one and one hundred and ten pounds if he's right. Uh, Chris in the studio, what are you having for uh, for Shakhtar? Three one City. 
3-1 City is 9-1 to one and uh, 90 quid if you're right, Charlotte. 2-0 City. That's 11-2 to two and £55 uh, pounds if you're right. I've gone for 2-1 on this one, picking uh, picking the score in between all of that. So 15-2 to two if I'm right and 75 quid there. Uh, you've got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change. And for more on responsible gambling, head over to begambleaware.org. <laughs> It's now time for Howard Hawking. He's talking about Vincent Company's testimonial game. So the hero returns, battered and bruised for one final goodbye. Maybe. Vincent Company's testimonial match has been played out in front of 50,000 fans, a fitting tribute to the man who became an honorary mank during 11 years at the club. The match will raise significant funds for one of the most urgent problems facing the city in 2019, the homelessness crisis. Sadly, the build-up to the match has been tempered with pathetic, snide little arguments, because this is how the world works nowadays. The inclusion of James Milner caused consternation amongst many Blues, because James Milner is a bad thing, and bad things should not be at Vinny's testimonial, apparently. Well, not on his side, anyway. Not that he ever appeared on the pitch. And this is City's fault, because the match they have nothing to do with, essentially, is being played at their ground. It does raise the question of what we all think the perfect lineup for such a testimonial should be. A selection of City players from the past decade or more on one side, naturally. Job done on that front. Sadly, the timing has not been the best. A summer game would have worked better, as seen by the withdrawal of the likes of Dzeko and Kolarov. Vinny took an interesting approach for the opposition, going for United-dominated side. Some would naturally have preferred a World eleven, and the likes of Thierry Henry would have played, if old age had not caught up with him too. But again, the opposition has not pleased all. This is, at the end of the day, a charity match, but a bit of light-hearted booing is fine, as it is theatre and hopefully taken in the right way. The ex-United players will expect and understand this. And it probably worked on the night, giving a bit of pantomime to proceedings. As for that booing, it all depends on the intentions of it and its ferocity. Because whatever you think of certain players who turned out on the Etihad pitch on Wednesday night, they all have given up their time to help the most vulnerable in the city of the club you support. To any sensible mind, that should trump some age-old grudge because a player ran a contract down or once was perceived to be rude about City. Boo-hoo, hanging's too good for them. Now, testimonials can do a lot of good after all. Long gone are the days of a player using such games as a nest egg to open a pub once their playing days are over. Top players don't need the money nowadays, so there's a chance to give something back to society, which is what they tend to do. Testimonials started back in the day, in the day of strict wage restrictions, according to our very own Gary Janes. He commented on a BBC article I read today that sometimes one-off fixtures would be organised, but typically clubs would allocate a specific league game as a benefit match. They would send stewards around the pitch holding a blanket for fans to throw money into from the stand. He added that in Manchester United regularly picked Manchester Diver games as they knew they would generate a large crowd, such as in 1912 when they gave Billy Meredith a testimonial after only five years with the Reds. Times have changed, of course, even from the days of David Seaman pocketing a cool 600000 for his testimonial. Now Quinn raised £1 million from his for charity, and Wayne Rooney's 2016 match saw profits go to the NSPCC, Alderhey Children's Hospital, Clare House Children's Hospice and Manchester United's own foundation. And testimonials give you wonderful mashups and wonderful moments. 
They match up players you'd never expect to line up against each other. They cross the divide, generation gaps and more. Ryan Giggs has lined up for Bournemouth, Paul Gascoigne for Arsenal. Clarence Seedorf can line up next to Phil Neville, and who knew that one day it would be Neville who would become one of the world's greatest managers. And then there was a time in 1965 when Pushkas and Eusebio would line up together at Stanley Matthews' testimonial. And I did not think that seeing the likes of Stephen Ireland, Nigel De Jong and Sean Mike Phillips would stir my dull old heart, but I was wrong. It was wonderful to see them, and more, out there doing their stuff, and it brought back memories of past seasons, and a realisation that we had a lot to cheer not just because of a takeover 11 years ago. I even remember the soft spot I had, and will always have for Martin Petrov too. He did once beat Barcelona single-handedly after all. And it's always good to see Craig Bellamy mouthing off at opposition players, Nasri slaloming with a ball seemingly glued to his feet in a shirt as big as mine, and Colo Torre showing why he had those diet pills after all. Another legend of the game for me though. But mainly of course for City fans, a rare chance to honour a player that stayed at the club for over a decade. There may be a couple more to follow shortly as the club churns out legend after legend. But if we do have more testimonials to follow, it will certainly book the trend. But it's been a while since we've had them. In the past, Joe Hart never had one despite being at City for 12 years. Micah Richards never had one despite a long time in the first team and with the club. And in fact, maybe the last testimonial I went to was actually at Old Trafford as United played City for Dennis Irwin's send-off. That was August 2000. United won 2-0 and Irwin's night was cut short by a nasty tackle from George Weyer. That wasn't half of it though as David Beckham would have been dismissed for a disgraceful challenge on Danny Tieto in any competitive match. Alfinger Harlan caught Ronnie Johnson with a late challenge. Gary Neville slid on a Mark Kennedy. And all this just a week after Julian Dick's West Ham send-off saw so a brawl on the pitch in a match against Athletic Bilbao. Who says testimonials have to be boring? But they're not all huge successes or light-hearted affairs. They're not all are cheap either. Southampton's Klaus Lundert-Varm had to play £100,000 for his testimony in 2008 after Bon Jovi made a mess of the St Mary's pitch. But for any current players, the key is not to get injured, especially considering David Silva and Sergio Aguero made brief appearances on the pitch. They made it through, though, and the relief was tangible when they went off. Sorry, Vinny. Because history shows that a testimonial can be costly. Dennis Irwin himself was due to play league games after his testimonial until George Weyer crocked him, and former England and Liverpool forward Peter Beardsley had just re-signed for Newcastle from Everton in 1993 when he took part in Ronnie Whelan's testimonial match at Anfield. He then sustained a triple fracture of his cheekbone in the second minute of the match after a collision with Neil Roddick and was ruled out for six weeks. He was lucky he's still alive, to be honest. But for Vinny, it wouldn't have been a true testimony if he was not injured and unable to play. Perhaps it would be small consolation that he's not the first in that regard. Alan Shearer injured his knee three weeks before his 2006 testimonial against Celtic. Shearer did take part though, kicking off the game and then coming on at the end to score a last minute penalty to win the game 3-2. But this was all about a wonderful cause. An entertaining 2-2 draw, a Benjani goal celebration and a trip down memory lane. Vinny will be back, I'm sure of that. But for now, thank you for everything you've done for City and for my hometown. And good luck turning things around at Anderlecht. I'm Darren Huckabee, and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. 
get involved with the debate on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. Howard Hawking there. Now, uh, just before we move on to uh, to ask the panel, Chris, I've got to ask you, what was it? What was it like seeing all the old guys back in uh, city shirts on Wednesday? Oh, I have to say, it was absolutely magic. Loved it. Um, little Sean, not so little in the uh, the belly department. Great to see him. <laughs> It's really weird actually watching him race onto a, a through ball and not and, make it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think even he was a bit surprised at the extent to which he wasn't making it. I know Martin Petrov still loves a shot, doesn't he? He he does, and he still doesn't track back, which is probably uh, probably explains how he's still so fit because he's only ever really done the going forward bit of a game, so he's still got half his uh, career left. You know, I I wasn't ready for quite how emotional I was going to be at seeing some of the old faces. Like Stephen, Stephen Island there back in a city shirt, Micah Richards back in a city shirt, just just some of those sorts of, you, yeah. know, you know, those moments where you see a little flashback of what they used to be like. Yeah, definitely, particularly with Island, some of the little jinky moves he makes to create space and then his eye for a pass and, ah, uh, yeah, it does take you back. Nasri too. Nasri, well, everyone speaks so highly of Nasri, don't they, the people who've played with him. I mean, he really is... A world-class player on his day and um he's still got it he's well he's obviously still he's still, still full playing, pro he? yeah. yeah but he's uh got plenty in the locker with island though there's little moments where he'd go for a pass that didn't quite make it and it's like a microcosm of his his career career <laughs> at city yeah it's, so it's very sliding doors isn't it it's footballers careers where things happen that influence your confidence or your opportunities and how things go from a certain point on and at one point, we were on the the kind of on the edge of an alternate universe where you know Stephen Island was king of the world and everyone had Superman underpants and you know, <laughs> all was well with it. But after the invention of I don't know, they had a, a torrid time with the the grandma's thing and teammates at Island. It just yeah took a bit of a dip, didn't it? And uh, never seemed to really turn it around after that. Yeah, it was. Uh, he, he was one of my favourite players at City, so I was always sad to see him go. Mm. It, was, it was a real shame. Uh, right, that's the panel time, so get your questions in for next week on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. You can email via bluemoonpodcast.com and on Instagram as well, we are Blue Moon Podcast on there. Uh, first up, a, a, a bolt from the blue on Twitter and Adam Carter on Instagram have both asked along the lines of, if Sane was to leave City, would it be a good move to spend the money on trying to get Jadon Sancho back. I think Sane will leave, and I think if he want if he wants to go, City shouldn't keep players at the club that don't want to be there. Agreed. Yeah. And you look at the quality of players that they have. Not saying they don't need him, and that he isn't a good player, but they've got plenty of good players in the squad. Jane Sancho's doing really well. He impressed for England the other night as well. I think I'm right in saying that if City match any offer that uh, someone comes in to bid for him, then they would get first refusals to buy him. So not a straight buyback clause, but a buyback clause of sorts. Mm. It still depends on him. I but he would to come he back. would want to go he would want to go back. Um, he said he was asked actually, and he hasn't ruled out a move back to the Premier League. But it's always one of them, isn't it? You think someone's going to be really great and then is it not going to work out if they come back the second time are you best just moving on to somebody else totally different and it'd all be to do with who would be the manager when that's happening is it next season is it the season how many seasons down the line are we talking but I don't know look it's looking at the market if and when Sane goes and if he's available then yeah I think discussion should be had to bring him back he yeah, does, I tend to agree. To say, he does feel like the one that got away, doesn't he? Yeah, very much so. And he's um, took it upon himself to go and prove himself in another country. He's 
pulling up trees over there, isn't he? Um, is it all about the money for Sane, though? Because I heard recently that Munich um, were after him and the reason, the real reason that he didn't go was because they couldn't meet his wage demands. So if that is the case, maybe maybe he will stay anyway and it'll be a moot point. And sit on the bench. Well, oh. I don't know. Something just doesn't feel right doesn't, with yeah. with Sane. And if you look at what happened with Raheem Sterling, I don't think him and Guardiola got off on the on the best foot. But he's listened to what Guardiola said, and to look how he's excelled over the past two seasons, like he's even better this looks even better this season than he did last season. And I don't think anyone would have thought that was possible. But mm. his performances keep getting better and better, and part of that is down. Guardiola would say that's down to Sterling. Sterling would say part of it is down to himself, but it is down to Guardiola and listening to what the advice that he's given them. And if you look at Sane, I just feel like Guardiola has the ability to mould him into this world-class player, but does Sane, does Sane want to let him do that? I'm not yeah. really too sure. He's not really down with the, the Pep sort of blueprint no. to realign himself as Pep requires, maybe, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, final question for this week comes from Harry Stokes on Instagram. What would be your perfect Champions League group on any criteria, so glamorise or locations or things like that? Uh, what, what, what three teams would be uh, the ideal for you? Well, I mean, Glamatai, location, weather, culture. Barcelona is the most obvious one that screams out to me. Absolutely love the place. Had the pleasure of watching City lose there um, on several occasions. <laughs> well, well, I've only I've only been to to watch City there once, and we did lose. Um, but it's just a I just love the place, like the old town, the the whole the whole thing. I just love the whole experience of Barcelona. Also, really like Lisbon. I'd love to see City in Lisbon. Been Lisbon a couple of times, and it's just an absolutely fantastic town. Great, great times in Lisbon. And the other one, I don't know, probably just somewhere in Germany, maybe Munich or I, I don't think Hurst. How well are Hurst are doing these days? Not. Uh, I don't know, but I was going to say Bayern Munich, Sports in Lisbon, and Barcelona and City in a group is a hell of a group. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking I that I've I've gone with mine. I've gone. I've picked like an easyish team, so I'm like. I'm thinking, yeah. So I've got actually gone for Atalanta because I'm like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. Italy, a new team to the competition. A new team, yeah. So get a trip to Italy. Should be able to beat them easily. That's fine. So um, you're going from actual what we've got available now. I was just yeah, going fantasy oh. land for, for my own personal <laughs> pleasure. Like <laughs> we'd have to rewrite the rules for you, Chris. Uh, well, it, it was Chris, based on any criteria. Yeah, well, so I thought true. non-reality yeah, there, was, there was one no of them. There was no specific criteria. This is it. That's, that's why I went with. It. But sorry, I interrupted. You there. No, it's fine. Real Madrid, I've gone for the glamour tie. And then Valencia, just because I've heard it's a really nice place to go. And, and you've never been. Never been. So, <laughs> so why not go for an all-expensive yeah, big trip on the evening news? <laughs> exactly. And it's, the climate should always be quite... I feel like it would be a good away day for City fans. Well, this is, now, now you're on the same page. This is yeah, what I'm talking about. Exactly. Like, let's go and have a, a nice uh, think knees like, up. Think like a fan. Excellent. Seville is a really good um, uh, Champions League away day. Well, yeah, ch- I'd love to, I'd love to, uh, chuck them love to try that again. Yeah. Yeah. Right, well, we're all, we're all off to uh, sample the delights of Europe. So uh, until next time, that's it. But if you would like to enjoy some more, then we're talking about goalkeepers on this week's Patreon bonus show. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast to find out more for a $2 a month pledge. You can get to hear the show. For, and for a $10 a month pledge, you can be on the list to be on the show. So go and have a look at that. If you like the show, then don't forget to go and rate it and review it in all of your usual podcast apps. Special thanks to my two guests this week, to Charlotte Dunker. Thank you. And Chris Higginbottom. Thank you very much. Cheers for having me. We'll see you soon. Take care. That 
the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.